1: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: I know why you're happy. You're not in in line waiting to see a dead body. (laughs) Jesus, I've been, been... Watching the Queen's funeral. I don't tell me how it ends. I'm only on season three. (laughs) Could we get this lady buried? I mean, uh, I've thrown out bread twice since she died. I'm telling you, this (laughs) is. You see, David Beckham stood in line for 13 hours. (laughs) David Beckham. Really, and, and they said, "How did you prepare to do something so so long and boring?" He said, "I played soccer."
0: Yeah. Wow, how's out of line. It's the, um, the the whole funeral thing they're having today. They say is the biggest event in London's history, which is really saying something. Um, uh, breaking news: Megan cried. Prince Harry's wife, the actress Megan, what's her name? Markle cried. Yeah. So there you go Great. with that thanks for that <laughs> great great thanks thanks for that
4: i'm going to ask this with no cynicism okay because we've offended people talking about the queen and we do not intend to give offense to you good folks at the end of the funeral is that it then
0: God, it better be. Oh no! They're freaking loud. That's the very tone I was trying to avoid. It's been the lead story on the evening news for a week.
4: Yes, the president of the United States last night that, that vowed that our soldiers, sailors, and marines would go to war with China if they were to move on Taiwan, and the lead story is the old queen is still dead. Michael Just You think you're helping, but you're not.
0: They're into the very religious part of the ceremony right now uh, with uh, lots of praying and lighting candles and stuff there at uh, the big church there at Windsor Castle. And I think it's interesting when the corporate media, which uh, abhors religion and everything about it, just willingly plays along with certain people if they're religious, if they happen to agree with their their thing.
4: Yeah, if you're a Presbyterian in Indianapolis, you're an idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And dangerous, probably. Right. But, uh, no, this is beautiful and holy. Look at the foreigners with their religion, which is part of their culture and important to them. Mm -hmm. And we respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Bill Maher with some really cynical jokes about the Queen. I didn't appreciate it as a royalist. Um But you know where he was really, really spot on, where he was talking about being woke and presentism again. You know, for all of his uh, being a, a fairly obnoxious uh, lefty through the years, he has become a warrior Against the woke crazies. And that's what's, that's so important. That's part of my worldview is look, you, you want more government or more generous benefits or higher taxes or whatever, more regulation or whatever. You're more sympathetic to unions than me. We can be arm in arm brethren if you'll join me and fight the woke lunatics. We'll disagree about that other stuff down the line. We've been disagreeing over it for centuries, but we can still be friends. We can still be Americans. It's the super progressive, you know, queer theory, critical race theory people we need to band together against. But Bill Maher was uh, banging that drum and banging it brilliantly as usual. Uh, go ahead with, uh, we're going to start with four, Michael, all right? How
3: we teach our kids history has become a big controversy these days, with liberals accusing conservatives of wanting to whitewash the past, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes they do. But plenty of liberals also want to abuse history to control the present. And last month, a scholar named James Sweet caught hell for calling them out for doing just that. He criticized the phenomenon known as presentism, which means judging everyone in the past by the standards of the present. It's the belief that people who lived a hundred or five hundred or a thousand years ago really should have known better. It's like getting mad at yourself for not knowing what you know now when you were (laughs) ten. Stupid me, spending all that time raising sea monkeys and playing with slot cards. Who doesn't have moments from your past that make you cringe? Who hasn't said, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I wore that can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I did that. You ate dirt. <laughs> you wanted to be a Ghostbuster. You shoplifted gum. You tried to be a white breakdancer. You... <laughs> you wanted to marry Scott Baio. <laughs> yes, because we hadn't then grown into the persons we would become. Hmm,
0: that's interesting. Love, love that. So right and so sprinkled with
4: delightful humor. Scott Baio is dead sexy, by the way. That, that came out
3: of nowhere.
0: Sprinkled with delightful humor.
3: (laughs) Go on, Bill, go on. Being woke is like a magic moral time machine where you judge everybody against what you imagine you would have done in 1066 and you always win. Presentism. Yeah, this professor is right. It's just a way to congratulate yourself about being better than George Washington because you have a gay friend and he didn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if he was alive today, he would too. And if you weren't alive, if you were alive then, you wouldn't.
4: Yeah. What's, what's notable about that, a couple of things. The extended applause of his audience, which is now, as it has always been, way left. I mean, in terms of classic right-left stuff, not the woke progressive lunatic stuff. But they couldn't have been more enthused to hear
0: that out of him. I like the term moral time machine. I'll use that.
4: Yeah, that is good. That is good. It's the presumption. And and I've said this many times, but I'll say it uh, until I, like the Queen, am in my grave. Um, of course, she isn't quite yet, but she will be soon, I'm told. Um, the idea that you would have loudly and proudly advocated 2021 values... Not only 2021, but 2021 progressive city and progressive state values, if I were around in 1776, is idiotic and egomaniacal to the point of, I can't even believe anybody would say it out loud. It's that stupid. And by the way, that uh, that professor that Mar is referencing, after he put out that screed, and got absolutely lambasted online. He
0: apologized for yep, it. Yep. That's the most dis- disappointing part of that story. He crawled back and licked the boots of oh, the yeah. very people he was criticizing. And made all those horrifying statements like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to atone for what I just did. And oh, all
3: the damage
4: I've done, yeah. the
3: pain I've caused.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's
4: Shut rough. up.
3: All right. One more much of history is indisputably factual because we have artifacts and coins and birth records and archaeology and somebody in mesopotamia kept a record of how much grain they ate it's not all up in the air to change or delete or make up based on what makes you feel better today a couple of years ago they made a movie called the aeronauts about the scientists who broke the record for the highest altitude in a balloon in fact they were both men but the movie made one of them a woman, because, as the director explained, representation is important. So true. Women never get enough credit for the things they didn't do. I think Meryl Streep should play Seabiscuit, so every girl will know she, too, can grow up to be a racer. What? What? oh that's good
0: <laughs> oh I didn't know that so wow that's something so it's not cool that it was only men that went up with the balloon way back in the day so all right
4: or uh, the producers thought no chicks are going to come to this movie if there's not chicks involved
0: yeah it might be more simply that you know it's
4: interesting and and again you can when you talk about uh, entertainment it's it's less important because they just want to put butts in the seats. They just want to sell tickets or get eyeballs. Judy and I are watching the uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings prequel about the uh, you know the well the rings um, and it's interesting you can see all of the criticisms that the Lord of the movie uh, Lord of the Rings movies got being played out in the prequel in that there are now uh, multiracial hobbits. Which is fine. I mean, it's a fanciful what, world of yesteryear. What
0: race were the hobbits before? Oh, that, that's right. Fredo they was were Hobbit, vaguely
4: right? British. Yeah. Frodo. Uh, Re- Fredo Frodo was the godfather. <laughs> Frodo was the Lord of the Rings. Don't watch the godfather if you're expecting hobbits. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, they're all kind of vaguely English-Irish uh, white people with hairy feet. Um, And it was decided that it wasn't diverse enough. So, again, you got multiracial hobbits, which is perfectly fine. fine. But what was really striking about it is that, like, every person of character, adventure, and heroism so far is a woman.
3: That's fine.
4: The guys are just kind of window dressing. Uh, But, again, it's uh, it's entertainment. So, you know, do whatever you want. It's fine. But when you talk about history and teaching the kids and, and all that stuff, then it's really important that you get it right. So there's uh, a gal up in the uh, balloon breaking a record in a movie. I don't care. Just when you teach it in school, teach it the way it happened.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. True sure summer Depression. The, the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh-huh. This is, these are some stunning statistics around drinking that we got from our friend Craig, the healthcare guru. Because uh, when I started reading these, I thought, "Is this true?" But he's the sort of guy that I mean he make he makes his living using facts that are true. I'll read you <laughs> the conclusion true facts in short, and then we'll get into uh, get into the specifics. But here's the conclusion of this about drinking in America: thirty percent of American adults don't drink at all. So if you've ever wondered that, about a third of Americans don't drink at all. Then another third consume on average less than one drink per week. Wow! So 60% of the country has one drink a week or none. Think about hmm. that. If you're a drinker, if you're a non-drinker, you're I know you're thinking, yeah, me and practically everybody I know almost never drinks. Yeah, well, um, you're just making us do your share. <laughs> drinkers tend to hang around other drinkers, based on my experience, and so you kind of come to, a I don't know, a worldview that we're all doing this. <laughs> but it's not exactly true. I would uh, agree, yeah. On the other hand, the top 10% or decile, is that the way you say that, world? Uh, you break things into tenths. The top 10% of American adults, and that's 24 million of them, consume an average of 74 drinks per week. Wow. which is,
3: Fifth of Hennessy. Which is
0: a little more than 10 a day. 10 a day? So while you got that third don't drink at all, a third have one or less a week, the top 10%, on average... 74 drinks a week. Wow. Which is a little more than
4: 10 a day. Which man, when I, when I pour myself a little bonus scotch like I may have last night uh, after my regular scotch, I think, ah, that's too much. I'm drinking too much.
0: Wow. More than 10 a day. Woo. When I first saw that number, I thought, geez, that's a lot. But then I started thinking about back when I drank, you know, if I had maybe three drinks on your average weekday, which I probably did, um, It's a good head start. And then on the weekend, yeah, I got, probably got to that number. Um, so here's, here's where that would, that would be
4: 15 Monday through Friday. You got 55 to go, sailor (laughs) belly up and get started.
0: Yeah. Well, if you're counting drinks the way they, you know, they, they, they do literally as opposed to. You know, like you're talking about I pour myself a glass of wine that's actually like four drinks and call that a drink. <laughs> well, that. I don't know. That's who has the time to measure these but days? Here's where it gets really interesting, and this is why a guy who's into health care and health insurance and all that sort of stuff was uh, even looking at this. This virtually uh, the 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 distribution of health care costs almost match up exactly, and it's whether or not you think there's a, uh, a relationship between the two things. One third of employees do not go to the doctor in a given year. One third of employees, another third spend less than a thousand dollars per year on all medical expense, expenses. But the sickest 5% average about $60,000 a year in costs. Wow. Wow. And so there's something called the Pareto Principle or something like that named after an economist uh who came up with the idea that 80% of consequences come from 20% of causes um, uh, asserting an unequal relationship between inputs and outputs just yeah, so, yeah everybody looks at things just kind of overall average but that's not a good way to look at it crime is a, a good example sure. like 90% of us commit zero crimes but a tiny percentage of a percentage of us commit like 90% of them sure
4: what if cops told us i spend 90% of my time babysitting 2% of the population yeah
0: so in terms of the way you, you know, go about the problem, uh, you, you, you don't approach it as if it's spread equally along around society. But, and there, there's no necessary causality, correlation between this, uh, but it certainly could be. I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I thought, uh, first of all, when I was drinking the numbers of drinks that I drank, I was young. I never went to the I cost the company zero in medical costs. I went many, many, many years without ever using any money. Of the of the company insurance, yeah. Well, uh, that's a because I was young. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a
4: completely different question. I think the principle is just about the like you explained the unequal, you know, inputs and outputs thingy. Um But yeah, uh, excess drinking absolutely causes medical problems. I mean, that's that's pretty well known.
0: That's pretty astounding, though, isn't it? The way that's spread out. Well, the the the, the costs to an employer and the, the drinking both they're both interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just the Pareto principle in general, I find uh
4: thought-provoking and and it makes perfect sense in a, in a lot of places, in a lot of you know uh activities, human activities. That's
0: true. I've been told, I don't know if I've ever actually read about this or anything like that, but I've told about people that like work in the beer industry or whatever. Um, Budweiser and Coors and your bourbons and everything like that. They, they advertise kind of like they're advertising to everybody, but they know because they have these statistics that they're, they're, they're making their money off a small percentage of people out there who are drinking all their product. There's a whole bunch of people watching the Super Bowl or or driving on the highway who see the Coors Light billboards or whatever, as you just heard with the stats, it don't break it all or have one a week. And that's not where they're making their money. It's that tiny percentage at the top who's going to have 50 of their beers this weekend that they want to influence. Right. Well, and I guess you're probably hoping to turn the... uh the eighth
4: decile I'm looking at the chart here uh, the eighth and ninth that have six to 15 drinks per week when they go hardcore enjoying the 74 a week crowd. Wow they want to have brand loyalty already
0: Yeah I guess I guess.
4: We know you're going to graduate to a 75 drink a week lifestyle soon. Just remember, we got you there. Yeah. We're blank. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> well, <laughs> they have a that's
0: why we drinkers like to hang around other drinkers. So those of you who are doing whatever it is you do and it must be boring, uh, leave us alone and don't judge our lifestyles. Yeah. Trying to have a good home. time. Trying to have a good time over
4: here. Leave me alone. Guy comes home drunk. His wife says, how many drinks did you have? He said, I don't know. You weren't there to count them for me. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying, huh? <laughs> oh, my
2: God.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
2: How lucky we were to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep (sighs) expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support. Catering to every sleep need
2: The Armstrong
4: and Getty Show. BYU was uh, 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 greeted with obscene chants. F the Mormons at Oregon. That's terrible. Oregon State for a football game. Oregon State has, I'm sorry, University of Oregon. Uh, I just impugned the the fine folks of uh, the Beavers? I apologize to beavers everywhere. It was the ducks who were offensive. But, uh, University of Oregon has apologized up and down, said terrible. We're looking into it. We apologize. So great. Um, but the, uh, volleyball player never thing never happened. And this article in BYU's student paper, um, which is absolutely beautifully written. I, this kid has a, a future. Um, it talks about the non incident and the incident and how Duke University made a statement. We unequivocally stand with and champion these players, especially when their character is called into question. Duke Athletics believes in respect, equality, and inclusiveness, and we do not tolerate hate and bias. Uh, They never acknowledge the results of the investigation, but they pledge loyalty to the team that just disseminated unfounded accusations of racism. The validity of the allegations doesn't matter. Duke will unequivocally Quote, defend their team, even if the incident never happened. These political power games are not uncommon in the framework of critical race theory. Hmm. And then this student, author, uh, journalist goes into a brief introduction of critical race theory, which and I've read many, 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 many pages about this. I found this particularly good. Critical race theory posits that all economic, social, political and individual inequalities are results of racism. If taken logically to its full extent, one would then wonder why Indian Americans are the most prosperous ethnic group in America, given the supposed systemic white supremacy. But CRT has deep philosophical and ideological backgrounds that cannot be explained fully in a single article. And you ought to read more, he says, but we can single out various aspects of CRT that are apparent in the reactions to the racial heckling incident. There is a reason that Rachel Richardson the black uh volleyball player uh Black Menaces uh, stop your silence those are all groups activist groups uh immediately advocated for critical race theory or anti-racism training at BYU even without verifying the allegations critical race theory is a fusion of neo-Marxism and postmodernism Originating from French intellectuals in the 60s and 70s, postmodernism is the radical skepticism and criticism of meta-narratives, which we'll explain later, but in, and enlightenment reasoning. They're anti the enlightenment, if you can believe that. Typical and postmodern ideas claim that logic, reason, speech, and discourse are all manif- manifestations of power. While this may seem unclear to the reader, these tenets of postmodernism have been implemented directly into critical race theory. To summarize, there is no truth. There's no fact. Data, research, science, objective observation, they don't exist. If you claim they exist, you're a liar and a racist. Because you just think they exist because you've been brought up in a particular society and your science is your truth. But other societies have other truth. Hence the whole thing James Lindsay's been railing about that two plus two can equal five.
0: Right. Right.
4: Ah, uh, let's see. Which so, is, well, well, yeah, well. in the beginning.
0: <laughs> well, you start down that road and it gets very, uh, your brain starts to cramp up.
4: Yeah, I'd say. Uh, in the beginning paragraph of their book, Critical Race Theory and Introduction, these folks uh, uh, who are prominent critical race theorists state the following. Unlike traditional civil rights, which embrace incrementalism and step-by-step progress, CRT questions the very foundations of the liberal order, including equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment, rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law. So, very briefly, they are anti traditional civil rights they question equality they question legal reasoning they question enlightenment rationalism and the neutral principles of constitutional law they want to tear them all up with the ultimate goal being chaos see that's the interesting thing the i think the original critical theory people having read a lot about this I think they're your typical philosophy major types and philosophers and academics. They they think and they think and they think and they come up with these structures and theories and they argue about it. Uh, and then they grow long white beards and they drink cocktails and they go to parties and eventually they croak. And maybe somebody <laughs> reads their books a, a few years down the line, but probably not.
0: They grow long white beards,
4: <laughs> including the women. <laughs> And, and so, but it was interesting, but harmless but then and james Lindsay and helen pluckrose have written some great stuff about this in their book cynical theories but um as it is it has elements of neo-marxism in it and so what it becomes is a really effective tool for tearing everything down that you want to replace because you pick and you pick and you pick you invent being offended by various aspects of the language being used the term problematic that's that's key to this whole thing and so while it was a useless but harmless philosophical theory at first, it's become an incredibly effective tool, if you're vicious enough, in destroying virtually anything from constitutional rights to the legal system to uh, police forces to whatever, um because you want to replace it with something more handy to your neo-Marxist beliefs. Now, the whole, uh, how do you explain this? The question of lived realities is really key to this whole question. And we'll get to it because it's super important to understand this after a quick word from our friends at Simply Save Home Security. Not only the best home security, but the most reasonably priced and the simplest. It's all those things. It's not a compromise.
0: Yeah. The fact that Simply Safe can be so good for about a dollar a day. It's, it's just fantastic and no long-term contracts or anything like that. A lot of security systems. I know somebody very well who's, uh, who's locked in for two years on a security system. They don't use at all happens all the time, not with Simply Safe. They, they trust the fact that you're going to like it enough. They don't need to lock you into a long contract. They're 24-7 professional monitoring with Simply Safe agents there to help you get through whatever emergency it is. Sometimes even staying on the line with you until help arrives all for all that for about a dollar a day. Yeah, the people
4: are great, and the gear is great. Like I always say, check out the uh, high-def night vision outdoor camera. It's wireless. You can install it anywhere. Keep the randos away from your stuff and your family. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafecom slash Armstrong. Go today. You can claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafecom slash Armstrong.
0: Coming up, how eight glasses of water, 10,000 steps, and other healthy guidelines are BS. Stay tuned. Of course.
4: So this whole, uh, uh, in critical race theory and introduction to the book, legal storytelling has its own chapter. It's a method in science and law that communicates the lived realities of those affected by systemic racism. It's a hyper-emotional analysis of fact. An example of CRT storytelling, Jesse Smollett, who claimed that two men attempted to lynch him while calling him racial slurs and saying this is a MAGA country. The outrage from this incident was similar to the coverage of the media claiming Rachel Richardson, the volleyball player, story, was evidence of systemic and institutional racism. Today, Jesse Smollett still sticks to his false narrative. To him, it's reality. It's his reality. And one of the key tenets of this is that there is no objective reality. If you believe it to be true, if you are offended... What was said was offensive. Correct. It doesn't matter if you're neurotic, psychotic. You're a racist yourself. Easily butthurt. Easily butthurt. E B H, as we say in the uh, you know professional community. Um, it, that doesn't matter. Your emotion is the truth, which is fine if you're a three year old. For adults. That doesn't work so well. But they would say, oh, that's because, number one, you're a white man. Number two, you grew up in a society that values this so-called enlightenment reasoning. My society doesn't. You, you can't claim reasoning and truth.
0: How dare you, you racist? We've talked about this and how it's affected high school and college debates. We're in some of the debating world that has taken hold. So you can't show up to the debate with facts because your lived experience are your facts. And there's no uh, there's no changing that. So and if you have ever observed, whether at a city
4: council meeting or a school board meeting or in an argument on a campus or whatever, the person who screeches the loudest and most angrily wins because their lived experience is obviously very, very powerful. And you saying, hey, hey, we need to calm down. Nobody slurred the volleyball player. You lose. You just lost that debate. That's a hell of a way to try to run a society. But again, half of this, half of it, 20%, 80%, I don't know. Part of this is sincerely held by misguided people. Because if you study the history of humanity, you see not one, not ten, but a thousand examples of people falling for a bizarre ideology. That in retrospect, you think, how could anybody fall for that? So you've got that. They're sincere, but they're misguided. And then you got the cynical side, which I was describing before. It's an incredibly effective acid for dissolving anything you want to change. Because up until roughly now, people were so horrified to be called a racist that they would immediately back down. Sure. Immediately. Now, not so much.
0: Like that poor art director at the Guggenheim we were talking about the other day. Yeah, who stepped down after her charges and then it turned out the person charging was a complete nut job. Oh yeah. Yeah.
4: Um you got to fight this stuff if you can friends or it will uh, wash over us.
2: Armstrong and Getty. how lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to Lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's LEESA.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details.
4: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must.
1: Yay. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: The end of the year, we'll look at the table of uh, of school of teams uh, in Major League Baseball, and you'll see who won more games than who. You can't do that with colleges.
0: You can't rank colleges like you do sports teams, said whoever the heck that was. So this story kind of blew up yesterday. The yearly rankings of universities came out, U.S. News and World Report, for whatever reason, became the standard for determining what was the top universities. And they have different categories, top public university, top private university, top for this major, all that sort of stuff. And uh, maybe you didn't know this, but U.S. News and World Report ceased to exist many years ago. They no longer exist. Not just as a magazine, even as a website. The only thing they do now is this. Wow. (laughs) That's the only thing they do because it's such a big deal. U.S. News and World Reports college rankings are among academia's most watched lists. Top schools often advertise their rankings and use the list to raise funds, attract high achieving students. Prospective students use the list to compare and select schools to brag about for the rest of their lives, both them and their parents, about going to this university or that. And it turns out, no, this is going to be shocking to you. I should have asked you to sit down. It turns out some of the schools are lying about their qualifications just to try to get high on the list. Wait, what? Oh, my God. In particular, Columbia, which and I have a, uh, a person very close to me at Columbia right now. But um, and I'm sure it's a fantastic university. But the whole, you know, we're number one or we're number two or n- whatever. What the hell ever? How would you possibly rank that stuff anyway? If I started from scratch and wanted to be completely honest, I can't imagine how you'd even do it. Well, and the whole thing is unhealthy and misleading
4: at its core for a number of reasons, including you don't go to a university. You go to a program within a university, and within that program, you have specific professors. And then there's the question, and this is the question, what do you put into it? Because what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. If you're just a half ass barely skating by at Columbia guy, you're not going to get nearly, or gal, you're not going to get nearly the benefit of
0: somebody who Busts their ass I don't know the University of what's it. So this is kind of funny. So Columbia is has now fallen to 18th after being number two. They were number two. Uh, when when they leapt to number two from a lower ranking, a Columbia math professor, a professor at the college, said because he's a math guy thought. How the heck would you go up that fast that far? It just doesn't make sense. I'd like to look into the the way they did this. He looked into some of it and thought, that's not true. That's not true. And he called it out to his credit. And it turns out the school was inco- uh, reporting inaccurate data about class sizes and structural spending and number of full-time faculty. I find this is funny. I got to find the actual quote Whoopsie. from them. Yeah, exactly. It's just an uh, oversight on the report. The university admitted last week that it had overstated figures in two categories to US News and World Report. How small the classes were, well, that's You, know, you could easily make that mistake. And how many and how many of its faculty have doctorate or or the highest possible degree. Uh, We, uh, yeah, we just, well, here's their quote. We deeply regret the deficiency in our prior reporting. (laughs) Oh, well, if you deeply regret it. The the university declined to comment when asked by the Wall Street Journal. It turns out they're not the only university that has done this in recent years, by the way. Uh, top schools often brag about their various things and turn out to be wrong. Former dean of Temple University Business School was convicted on fraud charges and sentenced earlier this year to 14 months in prison for submitting fact da- fake data to bolster the school's MBA rankings. Claremont McKenna College uh, admitted in 2012 that it had reported false SAT scores. For years they lied about the SAT scores. Oh,
4: and that that school is so unforgivably woke, too. Ugh.
0: That's the other part of this. So you had the rich parents making up sports for their kids, and then you knew they were doing it. I guarantee you they knew they were doing it, but they didn't care, and you'd let them into the school. And then you're lying about the number of PhDs you have and class size and stuff like that, while at the same time telling us we all need to memorize pronouns or whatever your particular right. thing of the day is. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's just, yep. it's just, it's so disgusting on
4: so many levels. A couple of more factoids for you: private colleges, and I think every single one of the top twenty-five is it in the rankings, cost you fifty-five grand or more a year. Every single one, including the many that have billions and billions of dollars right. in endowment. So. You can admit or not admit anybody you want and charge them anything you want. Why are every single one of you ripping people off for 55, 65,000? Uh, Columbia, by the way, the, the, uh, the uh, tuition is something like 65 grand than you add on room and board. You're spending 86 grand a year.
0: Wow. This person that's close to me that's going, how are they affording that exactly? I don't even know. Well, that's the full. Uh,
4: that's the full Monty. If foreign students, the uh, daughters and sons of oil shakes and that sort of thing. But a couple other things, just real quickly. The very math professor who blew the whistle on his own university, um, and Columbia goes from second to eighteenth. It was in a limbo for a while, unranked. Then they decided to put it eighteenth. He said, "Does it make sense to conclude from this folly?" that Columbia is the 18th best American University worse than Cornell but better than Berkeley right he said of course not that would be ridiculous the only thing that makes sense is paying no attention to these bogus <sighs> rankings at
0: all oh yeah I forgot to play uh, and I don't even like this guy uh, Miguel Cardona he's education secretary clip 20 there Michael too often our best resource schools are chasing rankings that mean very little on measures that truly count college completion Economic mobility, narrowing gaps in access to opportunity for all Americans. That system of ranking is a joke. In case I haven't been clear yet, allow me to restate it. We need a
2: culture change in higher education now.
0: Yeah, I haven't agreed with him about a lot of the stuff that he has said around uh, the Biden bailout and all that sort of stuff. But he's right about that. They got to completely rethink the whole way we look at this stuff. A joke. Bogus. Bogus
4: ridiculous. That's both sides of the aisle. That's people inside the university system, outside of it. Journalists, there's a great book. I uh, uh, disagree with Frank Bruno of the New York Times on everything. But he wrote a great book called Where You Go Is Not What You'll Be that addresses this whole farce.
0: Yeah, I hope we're coming out of the absolute pinnacle of the stupidness of that whole thing. Oh, that's right. The the, the last
4: factoid, I, I meant to bring it to you. Public universities are now... Well, private universities adjusted for inflation are twice exp- as expensive as they were 30 years ago. It's doubled. Public universities tripled. Why? To support all the deans of equity and inclusion and, and oppression and ridiculousness and revoking the First Amendment, partly. And partly just because they can get away with it. Because well, yeah. culturally, as you were discussing... We've accepted you got to have this piece of paper or else you're not you're you're a piece of crap.
0: Well, and the name on it means everything. Everything, right. the kind of You don't person have to
4: learn anything,
0: but Uh and with the internet and all the changes that have happened in the last 30 years, it's never been easier in the history of the planet to exchange information and and uh, disperse it to people. Yet it's gone up that much?
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those rankings, it's insidious. Don't just ignore them. Anytime anybody brings them up, say, that's crap. It's unhealthy crap. Unhealthy crap.
1: Armstrong and Getty. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health.